You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 428. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our look at Apple TV Plus's new series, Foundation, based on the classic Isaac Asimov novel. And, uh, yeah, pr- pretty psyched for this one. Um, yeah. yeah there, there's a lot to talk about. And, and as you said last week, we're going to try to back away comparing it to the novel unless it's something you know that yeah and i I said i wouldn't do it dave but i did uh last night i went and i ordered the novel from amazon good all right (laughs) and and because like my copy i don't know i went downstairs and i i I, you know i had my dad when i was a kid gave me a box set of the first three books and uh second foundation was the only book left in there so i don't know what happened to the other two so i went upstairs too sweet and, and ordered the novel but i promise i will try really hard to limit my comparisons i don't think well, there's really and, much comparison at all is there well i mean i mean yes and no and and again we're going to judge judge it on you know it, its merits as a tv show and a science fiction series and and like we said we'll check in now and then with the novel and and you know there's a gender swap in, in in this episode and i don't think it's any big deal we'll talk a little bit about that in a second but if you guys remember when we did brave new world and we urged you to go out and read the novel and we said at the time hey it's really short you can knock it out in a couple of days well foundation it's a bit longer than brave new world but it's only about 300 pages so and it's super good and it's super good absolutely it's so good so, yeah yep um, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. It's It's been a while. Um, so if, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can you know, join Fred from the Netherlands, Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, Tobias, Mike. Uh, you know, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate everybody that listens, e- even if you're not a Patreon supporter. Yeah. Uh, we just appreciate the Patreon supporters a little bit more than the rest of you. Well, <laughs> sorry i mean it's the truth you know let's not hide it from them they suspected okay. it dave might as well tell them all right um and if you want to contact us with feedback comments whatever sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us uh, you want to go first uh, this time with what you're watching yeah because it's quick this is maybe the first time since we started doing what i'm watching that i'm not really watching anything new than from what I reported last week on. I'm still working on Doom Patrol, and I still have not got caught up. I know you might be shocked to hear that, but um, I don't know. I've just been like really tired and not able to stay up as late on weekends uh, recently, so I've uh, I've not gotten up to speed on Doom Patrol yet. Still mired in season two. No, I shouldn't say mired. I am thoroughly enjoying it. I love this show a lot. It's It's a great show. I enjoy it. Um, again, I would back up my statement from last week saying I was a bit hasty in saying it's better than the Marvel shows. Uh, while it's very good, uh, I, I maybe should back away from that a little bit. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a super enjoyable, great. Uh, a, a lot of the reasons I like Doom Patrol are very similar to the reasons I like Deadpool. So hopefully by this time next week, I'll be able to uh, chime in about something other than Doom Patrol, Titans, or Foundation. But right cool. now I can't. Well, I mentioned last week that I had kind of stumbled into a Lucifer rewatch and I finished season one, begun season two. And again, it's just so much 
fun to go back and look at a series like this, especially one that I covered in depth for Den of Geek, because so many of these these ideas that get explored early on and then maybe we we don't deal with them for a while so i'm really digging that finished the marvelous mrs Maisel on amazon prime and again if you haven't seen that it's definitely worth a, a look and i gotta find another show my wife and i started the new season of sex education on, on netflix but then uh, it starts and she's like, well, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, do we need to go back and watch season two? go back two? and watch season one. Yep. So that's what we're uh, doing at this point or so it appears. Well, we'll dude, you're, you're putting me to shame. You're like, a, you've completely embraced the binging lifestyle now. Yeah, I have. So, uh, you know, we will see. All right, well, let's get to some foundation here. Episode one, The Emperor's Peace. Uh, the teleplay written by Josh Friedman, who was the creator of Snowpiercer, and David S. Geyer, who wrote the script for Dark Knight Rises. He created nice. Da Vinci's Demons and Constantine. Um, da Vinci's Demons, I, I, I gave that a shot, and I liked it. I'm not sure how I got away from that, but I, I think I even spoke about it at one time on the podcast. Directed by Rupert Sanders, who directed Snow White and the Huntsman, starring... Um, uh, Angelina Jolie, Kristen no, Stewart. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> uh, this one aired September twenty fourth, two thousand twenty one, on Apple TV Plus, along with episode two. So the model that Apple has been using is they initially drop two to three episodes on the first day, and then it's one a week thereafter. So would you say, Dave, time? that at first they drop a deuce? Uh, you could say that, especially okay. in this case. But I mean, one of the things about Foundation and Asimov wrote about it relatively extensively that that it was born out of the post World War II era and experience. And I've read a couple of things, non spoilery, and and again, I mean, I, how much can I get spoiled about a series that I've already read? But projecting some of the themes of the post-World War II novel onto contemporary social and political issues is something that the showrunner and writers of the current version of Foundation are, are trying to do, and, and certainly that's one of their goals, and, and you know, we'll bring those up as they uh, appear. But certainly one of the things that, that pops up in this first episode is the whole idea of faith versus science, certainly as... Um, you know, experienced through Gail's character. Yeah, I wouldn't um, even you know, I'd say, well, yeah, like faith, but not like religious faith, but like faith in the institutions, right? Faith in the empire, faith in uh, the status quo. Well, I, I, I think the, the beauty is that it can embody all of those things that you just mentioned. I, I, I think on, on a first glance, we do look at it from a religious angle because you know she had her prayer stones removed from her cheeks you know she goes to meet with the priest on trantor yeah you know how many comments about uh you probably would have been killed back on your home planet anyway because you're a mathematician so um again not unlike what's going on in contemporary societies all around the world and and you know maybe instead of faith versus science uh fact versus fiction 
in, in terms of yeah. information about you know a myriad of, of right topics. And you ask like you know how different is like the three emperor the empire I should say and their belief in the sustainability of the empire as in it's going on for like they're the reason why they think it can't fall is because it's existed for 12,000 years. It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything, you know, like you, it's just your faith in, in the status quo, your faith in that as long as things stay as they are, then they'll stay as they are. Right. And which is what Harry Seldon's like, no, that's, not how it works you know and he he actually yells them you know because it's science like it's like that's all he can say like, i don't know what to tell you this is science this is math it isn't my you know i'm throwing my 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 faith into something that exists only in people's minds really because you think about it, like what is an em- empire right i mean empire really is something that just exists in people's minds when the roman empire s- stopped existing it stopped existing Right, and it's not that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, like Rome fell, but Rome wasn't even really the capital anymore, right? So, really, what happened is people stopped believing in the idea of the Roman Empire, right? And and that there, and I mean, obviously, there's other things, but I think that's one of the main things. Well, so, well and the and the fascinating thing in, in foundation is this whole idea of cloning those in power. And they see that as a good thing for the the very reasons you just stated. Well, it's worked for 12,000 years. But as is pointed out, and it's probably Harry that points it out, since you're cloning the same mind over and over, there's really no intellectual development. Now, that's something that we could probably debate that that shouldn't necessarily have to be the case. But, you know, that, that is something that gets brought up in this episode. Again, I mean, I guess as, as throughout history, those in power want to stay in power. And certainly we've got an interesting concept here with the, you know, the three generations. And, and, and again, we don't see in this episode how it works. Does dawn age normally and eventually become day and eventually become dusk? I assume that's what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, you know, dust you know, snuffs it, and uh, so then I think everyone moves up a spot. I guess you know. Right. 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 And you know, we see discord among the empire's subject is causing a certain amount of instability, which of course then uh, gives credence to Harry's prediction that it's going to fall within. Did he say five hundred or three hundred? I think five hundred. Five hundred. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, you know, we've got all these things to talk about, and we'll kind of go chronologically. But again, as we always say, just throw out whatever you want to throw out. But we get that opening scene where these young kids are trying to get past the null field that protects what we assume is the vault. I don't think they name it in, in this opening scene. I think just, they do say vault. I got it in my okay, notes. Do they? So. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is this really cool structure that seems to be hovering midair. Almost and, like a monolith. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of things that, that sure. I, I guess you have to wonder. I, mean, I think with this one in this scene, like even though it's not the same shape, obviously, you can't look at that vault and not say, oh, 
2001 for sure you know that's like ah, that's definitely where you know they they found inspiration for that there well sure and was george lucas inspired by you know this empire for his empire in the star wars world probably but anyway regardless we're introduced to the character of salvor harden who is played by Leah Harvey. And that's one of the gender swaps we, we get right off the bat because in the novel, Salvor Hardin is a man. And I, I read one article that, that pointed out in the novel, and I didn't think about it at the time, there are very few female characters in the novel. So, you know, s- swapping this character out, I, I think is fine. I, I, I think it, it's not going to, you know, have a impact one way or the other on, telling the story oh, so she is not grown up gail well i don't think so that's well yeah i mean it's two different yeah uh two different characters names in imdb because well, did they say her name like yeah yeah and it calls him warden harden oh at, i missed at, that uh, yeah so uh you know and it got me to think i was i was explaining to my wife who's neither seen foundation episode one nor read the book, but I was explaining about, you know, the whole idea of gender swapping, which probably the first notable examples, probably with Battlestar Galactica, the Ronald D. Moore reboot in uh, 2003, I guess, because, you know, the late 70s version had the the main character or one of the main characters, Starbuck, Starbuck, as a male figure. And then... Dirk Benedict. Right. In the reboot, they cast Katie Sackhoff yeah. as a female version and uh, the fans went absolutely ballistic. <laughs> yeah. And then ironically, she became one of the most beloved characters in the reboot. Right. So, my buddy Ken still refuses to watch it because oh, of that. Oh my God. I, I, I can't, I can't talk to the man. I've tried to reason with him. I've, I've tried threats. He won't have it. He's just so invested in the old Starbuck. You can't imagine that the oh. Starbuck not being the dude because Starbuck was really the dudest of the dudes on that show, you know? Well, yeah, I was telling my wife about that first scene where they're in the barracks and they're playing cards and it's all men except for her. And she's got her tank top on, you know, the military tank top and yeah. she's got a cigar like the other men. She's got a drink in one hand. She ends up punching out her superior officer yeah. ends up in, in the brig. And, and I mean, it's just like you said, it's just, yeah. You know, they establish early on, fine, she, she's yeah. a woman, but. Yeah, she's the dudest dude. Yes. Like, she's just like, she might be even more Starbuck, the original Starbuck, but we digress. Yeah, we don't want to go too far down that road. We'll start talking about BSG. Um, yeah. But, but the whole idea that the vault is being protected, and of course, from who or from what, we don't necessarily know at this point, but. Uh, Salvor Harden tells the kid it quit trying and you know we've got, we've got all those little markers in the ground I guess where people are seeing who can go the you know the farthest up that hill but all of a sudden then we get that overlay 35 years earlier and so now it's the flashback and we're introduced to Gail Dornick played by Lou Leabell who is this young mathematician going to Trantor on an imperial jump shit to work with Harry Seldon. And I, I guess the thing that strikes me about this trip is when she wakes during the hyper jump, which is clearly unusual. I, I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. 
Well, yeah. I mean, right now, I don't think there's anything we can make of it, uh, except that obviously it is unusual, as you said, unusual, maybe even something that she would want, well, not maybe, I mean, obviously also something that she would want to hide. Yeah, and, and she does pick that up pretty quickly. So is it something genetic in her that enabled her to wake during that time? And was that some kind of AI that comes up to her and, and gives her another injection that puts her out? Or, yeah, I assume I, so. Yeah, like, yeah, like an like android. Um, right. So, Because you know, Asimov so, did, like, right? He isn't he the one who did the iRobot and the rules of robots and everything, like the five exactly, rules and all right. that? Yeah. Free, so. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but we get a little backstory on where she's from, and, and it's this world called Synax, which I don't want to say it's a backward world, but I guess in many senses it is because they kill scientists and mathematicians. Apparently, they burned the universities. So I, I think we have to look at why would you do that? And again, I think we can look at science fiction throughout history and there certainly are novels that uh, address this. Canticle for Leibowitz is one that comes to mind here. I mean, if you blame the scientists for nuclear holocaust, then it's perhaps understandable that, well, you know what? If we didn't have science, then we wouldn't have this Armageddon situation. So, did something like that happen on her home planet in the distant past? You know, maybe. I mean, we don't hear about it. But right. for whatever reason, uh, she needs to get out because, you know, she could be next. And, and Right. Well, you just see how everyone looks at her. Like, I mean, she's right. a complete and utter pariah. You know, is it more than just, oh, there's the, there's the math kid? It seems like a little bit deeper than that, but maybe, I don't know, maybe in this world, it's just that their distrust of scientists runs that deep, as you said. Well, right, and, and clearly religion plays a, a very important role in people's lives, and the fact that she removed her prayer stones from her cheeks is also fairly significant to the point where she's worried about her family and what might happen to them in her absence. I mean, we've got this, like, return to the dark ages in you know, in this world. But, but again, we're not there for very long. She gets on the jump ship uh, and begins her, her journey to Trantor. Well, before you get um, further, Dave, because I just want to, because you did, you, you entered the, uh, the phrase into evidence, but you said the return to the dark ages. I think that's a, that's a great pickup. I don't know if you did that purposefully or not. Of course you did. You're a genius like that. But um, because that's what Selden is like, this, that, this is what is going to happen, right? Like yeah. places like this are only going to proliferate uh, in once the the empire breaks down. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because that's something that I have mentioned during the course of you know our podcast from time to time about these post apocalyptic worlds that you know they didn't burn the library down. I mean, there's a library somewhere that's got to have information that could help rebuild. And, and perhaps there's too much chaos going on to, to, you know, get something underway. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, you know, the ancients where there was one library at Alexandria and when it burned, that was it. So that's actually you know, that's, not true, Dave. I was just listening to a podcast on this. Oh, 
Oh, okay. There were loads. By actually, by the, 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 the actually the, the Library of Alexandria very likely never even burned down, but just kind of faded <laughs> out because oh, okay. it was there were already other libraries around the world and everything. All right, so. give me the name of that podcast. I'm looking for a new podcast. Um, uh, it is uh, our fake history. Oh, okay. I've I've seen that as I was scanning on um, Apple Podcasts. But we're introduced to Trantor, which is the eye of the empire, which I, I love that, that description. And she arrives at Trantor Station. I, I, I'm not sure why it takes 14 hours, given how advanced their society is, why it takes 14 hours to get from uh, the station to the planet's surface. But You know what I'm unsure of? They have 14 hours to get down the planet's service. It doesn't look like there's any kind of bar service on that thing at all. Well, I didn't notice any either. Um, yeah, what the now, hell? We 14 say- hours just staring out the window? Come on. Give me a vodka and tonic for crying out loud. Well, she is you know, reciting prime numbers or whatever it is she says she does when she gets yeah. nervous. But we, we just said the planet's surface, and, and we learn it's actually not the planet's surface, that there's apparently at least – multiple outer shells that have been constructed we assume around the entire planet and that there are levels below that and and of course and we again we've seen artificial sky scenes in in different uh you know sci-fi worlds that we've experienced but most people here never see the actual sun and yeah, again, Fred mentions the world building that goes on in this first episode, and he's absolutely right. And, and you know, I, I guess you could make an argument maybe it's too much world building, but I don't think so. I, I think they do it in a relatively unobtrusive way. It's a longer episode. It's like about an hour and five, hour and seven minutes. It was hour eight minutes, yeah. Uh, hour eight. So, yeah. So, I mean, they, they get a lot into this episode. Yeah, I think they they do. They, I think I, I absolutely agree. I think they did a great job of world building without making it intrusive. Um, I, I just want to say, like the, the the ship that left her world, like when it went to like whatever jump speed, that yeah. might have been the coolest like jump speed I've ever seen before in my life. That well, was right. and awesome. And, and that one guy that's. I, when I say traveling with her, he's not really traveling with her, although he kind of is. As, he's as very creepily latched on to her. <laughs> right. Uh, as he says, uh, it's kind of a shame we, we have to be asleep because I understand it's a really incredible light show or whatever, which is exactly what you're describing, that, that we see what, what Gail sees temporarily. So, you know, we're introduced to this character harry selden who's played by jared harris who many of us know from fringe yeah he's also been in the crown he was even in the expanse so yes uh, he's he's somebody is that's uh multi-talented you know he's certainly a big figure in our genre world as as well as the yeah, uh, usually plays drama. someone kind of sketchy so it's tough it gets it takes a while to adjust to him being like the kind of the quote-unquote uh, hero dude well, that that's true, and then you know when we when we learn what his whole deal is that he's a psychohistorian who is able to predict the future to a certain extent based on large populations, and I think when you think about it, 
it, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, this is still science fiction. But when he predicts that the empire will fall in 500 years, that's not exactly what the people that are in power want to hear. So a little bit of background on him. But why is Gale coming to Trantor in the first place? She won a math contest, which yeah. seems sort of silly, you know, <laughs> once we uh, you know, get, get into this whole world and how much is really at stake here. But then we also see it was really all kind of a contrived setup to get her there. Um, well, it and- seems like a, a, a legit like contest to find like a super talented mathematician to come in and be basically the fall guy for you know, for Harry Seldon, right? Right, right. And, you know, she's she's met at the uh, station by his um, his second, uh, I don't want to necessarily reveal anything about his character yet, uh, assuming that's how they handle it in the show. Uh, but his name is Raish, and right away, again, I, I don't know what they're going to do with these two in the book, but you can see the sparks already between these two right from yeah. the start <laughs> and um and he takes her before meeting harry harry said you would want to see this and I, i'm i'm sure you're the same way i'm a sucker for any of these you know, libraries that are just so vast and that have actual books and, and yeah. uh you know instead of like bank loads of computers i mean even uh-huh. a normal high school these days you know, more space is taken up by computers than actual books or at least probably 50-50 anyway. But, yeah, it's uh, close. It's close. I think it, it was got um, pretty I – was, I was actually having the proctor attest in the media center today, so I was actually spent it uh, wandering around looking at the books on the shelves and stuff. Oh, I mean, JK, okay. State of Maryland, I mean, I was watching the students like a hawk. Like a hawk, I say. <laughs> I won't turn you in. Unless they're offering – maybe they're offering $10,000 like Texas. Yeah. And I can, oh, okay, I'll have to look into that. For information um, about Slack, uh, Slack yeah. teachers and, and proctoring. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a big problem. Um, so, you know, Gail apparently solved this math problem by using an obscure non-mathematical text. And, and Harry's fascinated, you know, not, not so much how she did it, but why she did it. Uh, approach it that way and and i love her response that she, that she was lonely and of course that makes me think of the i oh god i can't think of the name of the movie it's an animated and it's like the the, the puppet that's uh you know the north korean guy i'm so ronry you don't know what i'm talking about i'll have to send you the link for that <laughs> it's the guy, it's the, guys that, it's the guys that do south park um uh matt What's that? Uh, God, I can't think of their names. Yeah. Anyway, Matt Stone um, and uh, the other yeah. dude. Yeah. Whatever. Or something like that. Um, yeah. But so once she's she meets Harry initially, you know, hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, how'd you do this? Oh, and by the way, we're going to both be arrested tomorrow. All right. But you know, it's I, like I love a, that, excuse that, me. <laughs> yeah. But I love that the destiny of the human race expressed in numbers that's what a psycho historian does and you know it's not so much that the empire is worried that he can it's that people will believe that he can 
And he's like, well, it's that they don't like the future I predict. And, and then, of course, he talks about that the empire is going to fall and be destroyed. And, you know, how long is it going to be in the dark? I forget how long he says. Uh, 30,000 years, he says at first. 30,000. Right. And, you, you know, did, did you recognize uh, Brother Day? So he's played, I. He's played by Lee Pace. Yeah. Who was in a show called Halt and Catch Fire which was about the early days of the personal computer industry. And it was one of those that my wife and I stumbled on as we were searching for something to watch. Oh, it was really good. And he, he was one of the main characters there. So that's where I know him from. But you know, he, he seems like he's sort of interested in what Harry's got to say. And well, okay, so if you say that, is there anything we can do to prevent it? And Harry says, well, not really, right? I think he says we can slow it down. Uh, but more to the point, can we shorten the period of darkness? And he says, yes. So what, what does he say? We can go from 30,000 to 1,000, I think is what he says. Yes. If you yeah. follow my Which is, instructions. It's a pretty, pretty nice cut in darkness there. Right. I would just like to say that Lee Pace uh, was the lead in Pushing Daisies, which was also, uh, I absolutely loved that show. Uh, yeah, again, that's one that I've, I've run across, but still have never, have never watched it. Yeah. And, and in this situation, I, what, what do you think about the, the wardrobe, let's call it that, that we see in, in the royal perspective? I thought I think- the costuming was super dope okay i mean i love the what gail is wearing you know what what harry is wearing what Raish is wearing i guess when we get to uh brother day uh that was a little i don't know <laughs> i didn't know what to make of it i thought it was cool i liked it okay but 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 i guess it, it does appear as if there's a, a just a hint of interest curiosity that he acknowledged, and I guess you could argue that on one level he knows Harry is right, which is why he doesn't have him killed along with Gale and rather exiles them to Terminus, which is what Harry apparently knew was going to happen and wants to have happen anyway, that they can go out there and work in peace. And, and again, I love how the title of the book and the series ties into what he's trying to do, which is of course, put together a foundation of knowledge so that we can rebuild much more quickly than if we didn't have it. So, right. right. Well, and, and your brother day is someone who obviously we get off to a rough start with him when he just has the old painter dude killed because he has Harry Seldon's book in his room. Which, granted, it seems like this guy's been around long enough. He should actually probably know better, I say. You know, but it seems so, like, you know, this is what we talk, you know, like the abuse of power, the the arbitrariness of the tyrant, right? That's the kind of crap that tumbles empires. So, you know, we're not necessarily, we don't really see him as a reasonable, rational person at first. But when he's interviewing Selden, 
you know, we can kind of see that you know, maybe just as like any good politician, you want to play your angles, right? Like, okay, what if this guy is right? Like, he could be right. So how do I get him out of my hair and not, you know, worrying people? but still allow him to live and continue his work. You know, oh, well, I'll just plop him on the most remote planet I can think of, right? So it's actually kind of a win-win for him, as in his mind at least. Right, because it still begs the question, though, what if he's right? So that we've right. got another 5,500 uh, years before everything collapses when – you know, he was offering us a solution or not. I mean, he really, the collapse was going to happen regardless. It, it sounds like from what Harry is saying, and there are a lot of reasons for it. And I guess in, in the background, we've got that conflict between Thespis and Anacreon, the, those two worlds at odds. And, and, and they're apparently, you know, I think it's called the outer reach. So, you know, they're out in Firefly land, apparently. So, you know, I think it's it's just that inkling that all is not well in the empire, and this is just, you know, one aspect of it. And then, of course, again, you mentioned the special effects from the, the jump ship. Then we get the one when the suicide bombers blow up yeah. Trantor Station. And, again, we see so many great special effects these days. For a TV show, I thought it was done pretty darn well. Yeah, so, they were. I mean, they were they were really really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I, I wrote with- down a number of times. I'm like, this the visuals in this show are are freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think Apple's going to probably have to raise the price of the next iPhone to help to help pay for this because <laughs> as uh, long as they don't raise because I don't I don't buy iPhones, so as long as they don't raise the price of Apple TV, we're good. And then we get that, you know, the, the, the reason that Gail has been brought to Trantor is because she's the only one who can prove Harry's predictions wrong. It does seem as if he knew that Gail would, have, would agree with him rather than save her own skin, right? That's what she's saying. Hey, prove him right. wrong and you'll live. Well, he, he picked her for a reason, right? You know? Exactly. Yep. So everything does play out as he predicted. And, and, and again, we get that one scene that he is like, well, look, I can't predict what you're going to have for lunch, but the, you know, the larger 700 trillion people, is that large enough population for you? Yeah, that'll do. So, so what's the purpose of the Selden project? Well, it's to soften the fall. The fall is going to happen according to Harry. So what can we do to soften it and rebuild more quickly and that seems to be what his project now on Terminus is all about or will be all about. I mean, right. that, that prime radiant, that, that little cube that contains yeah. all of his predictions. Um, now, the guy that gives it to her, Gerald, that's the guy that was with her on the, uh, you know, the ride down to the, the planet, yeah. right? Uh, uh-huh. yeah. so, uh, so I'm assuming he was you know, sent to be with her as, you know, I mean, he was a little creepy as you point out, but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, obviously she's a kid from the stick. So, you know, but I would normally would be super suspicious of someone who just like comes up and starts talking to me. And, and I'd be like, dude, just, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm for the most part, I'm kind of like an introverted person. So I would definitely be like, all right, you know, 
you need to back off, man. <laughs> like, get yeah. out of my face. And, you know, this whole Selden project then centers around putting together what he calls an encyclopedia galactica to preserve mankind's knowledge. And, and I guess Brother Day doesn't see it as a threat since it's going to be done on Terminus. We don't necessarily have a sense of how quickly communications can travel, though we do know it's going to take them over two years to get there. That said, they're taking the slow boat rather than right. any any kind because of can't jump, jump drives, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, um, you know, so we don't know how quickly if things are falling apart on Trantar, how quickly can word be gotten to Harry? Hey, Harry, what can we do? So, so we don't really have any kind of sense for that yet. The tether is cutting into the planet and has destroyed 50 levels. So again, it's pretty devastating what these two guys are able to do. Have you looked at episode two yet? I have not. You know, I, I, I like started, I like me watch the first five minutes and then last night I realized, you know, I'm really, really tired and I just want to go to bed. Okay. But I was so psyched because I like, I really wanted to watch episode two again, you know, because I just, I enjoyed episode one so much. I, I wanted to watch episode two, but then I'm like, Ah, this thing's like an hour long, man. It's going to be late. No, I got to go to bed. Yeah, I think episodes three and four are 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 a bit shorter. Um, you know, I've got access to the screeners and, and it has the times on those. But, I mean, I haven't watched any of them yet. Um, but, you know, Gail and Harry are, are, you know, confined to jail. And we see that scene where Raish comes to get her that – you know, the, this rebellion, is it Anacreon and Thespis? I mean, that would seem to be the case. That That's certainly who's being blamed for it at, at this point. But as he says, the attacks change everything. There are 100 million dead, which yeah, I, I guess when your population is as big as Brother Day said it was, I mean, 100 million dead's a lot, but still a 100 yeah, million dead. If your and, government is like, behind an attack yeah. it's probably awkward to do it like when your ambassadors are visiting there you know so that's how uh, i have my doubts yeah. you know that, well, that yeah. they're actually behind it but well you know the thing about gail that really strikes me as a character is on the one hand she's the stereotypical math nerd who re- recites prime numbers when she gets nervous yet she recognizes right away that okay you know there is a possible way out of this she tells brother day well you know i've i've looked into the numbers and if you kill selden you'll be dead within a year and he's like yeah well that's kind of convenient for you too isn't it and on, on the one hand you think well yeah it is hey nicely played but then like us it appears brother day but you could be right and and when you think about it it makes perfect sense obviously the empire is certainly in conflict on, on you know to a certain extent and he's not stupid i think he realizes that all is not well kill him meaning harry you kill hope kill hope they kill you so he, i i think it gives him pause and when we go back to Selden's 
answer is to slow the fall and end imperial cloning. And it's almost like, whoa, that is a step too far, young yeah, man. Yeah, hold on there, bro. Right, okay. right, right. Because <laughs> you offer nothing new. And that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the discussion, that if you're cloning the same individual over and over and over again, um, you know, Harry's point is that, well, you're not really coming up with any new ideas. And I, I guess I would argue, well, on the one hand, that doesn't necessarily make sense because this is clearly an intelligent individual that you're cloning. So unless with each subsequent clone, he somehow gets stupider, which I well, kind of I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's just that because the the just the, it's the same leader, basically always the the same person, then. The, you know he's going to react to situations in the same way. He's going to. But why? See, that's why I say why. Well, why because would you necessarily. He, well, because that's yeah. that's what an entrenched, you know, hierarchy is, is going to do. Not hierarchy. Yeah, but that's I mean, not the word. Like, so, the, like so the, brother Dawn. Power, you know? Right, but so brother Dawn doesn't watch what brother Day and brother Dusk are doing and say, "Well, that was kind of stupid." When I get to be brother Day, I'm going to do something differently. I, I guess I, that would be my argument that, that that it would just seem as if you might learn and evolve. And I guess that's Harry's argument is that they're not learning and they're not evolving, and that they're right. doing the same things to remain in power. And and don't be surprised now when people eventually have had enough. And yeah, absolutely. That looks like where we're we're headed at this point. But terminus, a uh, rather grim description: uninhabited planet, outer reaches. But they'll be able to continue their work. And as Harry says, you know, it's the best of both worlds. We're far enough away that they're going to leave us alone, but you know, we do get some benefits from them. I don't think he actually goes into detail about what those. Uh, what those are, but he also knows, look, if my work turns out to be false, then, you know, we're, we're going to probably get defunded. And, and, you know, if it proves true that they'll co-opt our work as their own and, you know, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, as we said, change is frightening, especially to those in power. So, yeah, you know, and then we get that jump back 35 years later and we're back on terminus no one can approach the vault except they, they refer to Salvor Harden as an outlier, whatever that exactly means. You, you know, it goes back to what I was saying about Gail. Is it, was it something genetic that allowed her to wake? So with Salvor, is it something genetic that allows her to approach the vault? And, and, and then, of course, the question is, what is Harden going to find once inside the vault? I mean... I think what you were kind of alluding to at the beginning and Fred alludes to in his, his feedback is Salvor Harden Gale 35 years later. And I guess I would argue there's, you know, you would be saying that Salvor Harden is in her fifties, right? I mean, e, oh, right. So yeah, the, the actress is, you say way too young to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I mean right. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't Gale, really, I didn't really think of that. I just, you know, so assume anyway, that she was um, an older version of Gail. Okay. Uh, what else do you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? Well, I mean, there's one thing, like with the, the boys in the beginning, um, 
I'm like wondering if there's girls on this world, right? Because it seemed like. Well, one of them is a girl. Remember, she she says, "If you do it, I'll let you see my. I'll let you touch my." Oh, tongue. that was a girl. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. Forget that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and he says, "Oh, for a minute or something." She's like, "Nah, ten seconds. I don't know. I forget what the time was, but yeah. So one of them is a girl. Oh, all right. Well, there goes that that thought. So, uh, you know, when they're on um, Gail's home planet and they're they're taking like the boat out to the ship which i'm not sure why they had to do it because it seemed like the water is still pretty shallow out there as they were able to stand in it right but you, you certainly get that kind of like that viking funeral type vibe as they're you know taking the ship out there and then i know this isn't what they're going for i know it's not i get that but i still me personally like the kind of tribes of europa ish vibe with the ship in the water there like that so yeah i mean that was really um an interesting visual that i'm not sure we're ever going to return to and again it's something fred mentions in his feedback so we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple minutes which is such a shame but i i just don't see what would take us back to uh, Synax for for any reason, but, unless it may be some kind of flashback that that we see through Gale, right? But I'm also I'm like, it seems like they put a lot into building Synax, yeah, a little I bit. Agree. So why go to that effort if you're not going to use it again? You know? Yeah, I guess. But you know, then we get to the point. I mean, it's it's almost like the the you you watch these videos behind the scenes and you realize. Well, there's not even an actual place. They're just in a studio in front of a green screen, and then they're just superimposing the city. But I mean, so you never know what it, how much effort it takes these days. I mean, look, I know they just didn't slap a world together, but um, right. Well, but I wasn't even talking about production wise. I'm just saying, like, you know, you you go to the trouble to to build to you know to actually give us okay, a I sense of the world here. Why would you go to all that effort to to communicate to us what her homeworld is like if you're never going to you know return to there? Because yeah, you really wouldn't point. need to. You probably cut that out, and the show would be ten minutes shorter. Well, right, and, and and then of course the other thing is that you have to consider that all right, we've gone thirty five years into the future. Well, Harry Seldon is a man at least in his mid fifties, you know, when we're introduced to him. So 35 years later, is he now in his nineties on terminus or, or what? So, you know, there is that as well. And of course we don't know what's Gail's fate yet at this point. Yeah. I mean, certainly as a, as a pilot episode, uh, it's almost not fair to call it a pilot episode. And, And of course they don't, title it pilot which you so, know i don't enjoy that I, I like a good unpretentious pilot as the first okay. the name of your first episode you know okay yeah no, you know there is you get pilot part one and pilot part two from your favorite show that has four letters and the second letter is o but <laughs> the show that shall not be named right at Just least leave this podcast unnamed so all right anything else Fred, in a little bit, is going to mention Alexander Siddig, who, and, and he is going to bring him up from uh, DS9, which 
I do remember him on that, but he was also in a show that I think deserves after after my fringe rewatch, which I think is going to happen soon. I think I'm going to go and do a primeval rewatch. Oh, he was in like the maybe the the fourth season of primeval. Was awesome, and he was also in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. he was Doran Martell. He was Oberyn's brother. Oh, oh okay. I'm, I'm sorry to bring up Oberyn Martell again, Dave. Yeah. I know that's upsetting. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, um, you know, we we bring that up like once a month, it seems. Yeah. So, uh, but great, a great right. actor, and uh, you know, really cool to see see him in there. Okay. All right, you ready to hear what Fred's got? Sure. All right, we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Foundation Season 1, Episode 1. Shortly coming back to last week's podcast, we were talking about Lucifer there. You discussed the pilot and I was, let's say, quite critical on how this series was constructed. But I only could judge it from the first episode. In the meanwhile, I watched in five episodes, which is an indication that it is indeed interesting series. So, Dave, you were right. I hope you will believe me and Michael as well for the series Jet, uh, where you stopped after the first episode. But one of the things I did was comparing it to Castle. And actually, I discovered another similarity between Castle and this Lucifer series. People who don't want to have any spoilers. It's just a minor one. You should uh, skip the next 30 seconds. But one of the other things is that as well, Castle as Lucifer goes to the boss of the female detective. In the case of Lucifer, it's Chloe. And in the case of Castle, it's uh, Kate that the boss is forcing them to work with Castle or Lucifer as a civilian consultant. Okay, going into the premiere of Foundation. Quite a long episode, total one hour, eight minutes, and I looked up how long the next one will be. Second episode will be eight minutes less, but still quite long episode. In this case, of course, they used quite a bit on the world building. I had to watch it twice to get that really a little bit. Marvelous young lead actress. She only did one other thing. If you look her up at IMDb, I wonder if we will see more of her or just for this first episode, because the rest will be at an adult age. Of course, also very nice to see Alexander Siddig. Uh, our Dr. Bashir of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Always very nice to see him. He plays here the Advocate. Nice and stunning special effects. Although they have a little other feeling than normally. I don't know what it is yet, but they feel a little different somehow. Okay, about the opening scene where these boys try to reach this vault or null field. As Selfer tells Polly, one of those boys, uh, what is that? We don't get any reference or idea about it in the further episode. It is on Terminus and it protects something or it 
wants to keep something out, even insects and animals, etc. So what is this? And by who is it built? What does it protect or why is it not safe for humans or animals to go in? First you get the idea this is Warden, Selvor, is Gaal. And it also could fit in the sense of 35 years later. But I assume that the narrator is Gaal. And she's talking about this Selvor, so they're probably not the same. There is something strange in this series with standing in a puddle of water or just the surface of water. In the beginning of the episode, we see, for instance, the two guys that are standing there waiting for the spaceship and Gail is going with her parents with the boat to that. They stand halfway in the water. Later, when Gail is in this church, it's also half half flooded and they also stand half in the water. And later when she gets into this park where she meets this Gerald, this spy, and she gets this radiant cube, they are also half in the water. Very strange. Three times in this episode. So what is this constantly standing in half to one foot of water? When these delegates of Anacreon and Tespis arrive, they arrive in the same kind of ships and they were enemies, so they're probably not own ships. That would be very peculiar. They probably are transported by the Empire ships, otherwise it wouldn't be the same ships. Okay, that were just some first impressions. I really have to watch further to place this all a little better. So, this was all. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, I, certainly Fred points out the similarities between Lucifer and Castle are, are certainly unmistakable on, on a lot of levels, and I absolutely love Castle. Yep. But I, w- one of the differences that I find, having you know seen the entire run of Lucifer in a lot of detail, is that Lucifer takes much more time examining its secondary characters and their stories. And and to a certain extent, those stories become nearly as important as those of Lucifer and Chloe. Whereas in Castle, it's pretty much focused on Castle and Kate Beckett. Not that that's a bad thing, but I, I think the interconnectedness of the characters on Lucifer it provides a much richer and a much deeper experience than Castle. And, and, and again, I love Castle. I, I, it's just one of my yeah, all-time I favorite I won't have shows. you slandering Castle on the show, no, Dave. Nope, nope, nope. Then you will not hear me. <laughs> all uh, right. You will not hear me do that. And and then into the you know his comments about Foundation. And, and again, I think we all agree about the special effects. They so far are just top-notch. And and look, I obviously Super joke, a- just- Apple's... Apple's got more money than just about everybody. So I'm sure they're going to have plenty of money for production. So who knows what we're going to see down the road. Uh, Obviously, the vault, who built it? I mean, I think we have to assume this has something to do with Harry Seldon and his project for for the uh, Encyclopedia Galactica. He brings up, which which you just did, that standing in the water on Synax. And then also we see it with her and the priest on Trantor. And and it's funny because I didn't really ascribe anything about it at the time. And, you know, now that Fred brings it up, 
I'm not so sure there's not something there. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's it's something to do with their religion. You know, I mean, in in a Christian religion, maybe we would say it, it has some sort of baptismal cleansing significance. But I don't know. It's almost one of those things. You find it hard to believe they just put it there to put it there. Right, so, right. Whether yeah. we ever find out or not, I don't know. But uh, I, I, I am glad Fred mentioned that because, you know, I saw it, made an impact, just not enough of one. A- anything else about Fred's feedback you want to talk no, about? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right, Fred, thank you. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Fred did mention he's been knocking out Lucifer. Way to go. Um, and, and, you know, again, uh, Fred, I like Carla Gugino way too much to not, you know, give the show another shot. So, you know, I, I didn't delete it from my continue watching on Amazon. So it's, it's still there. And I'm sure I will get to Fred even nice. sent me a, a screen cap on Facebook messenger and I'll just leave it at that. He's just trying to, you know, nudge me in the right direction. Provide you some so, uh, motivation. Huh? Yes, exactly. So, all right. I'm going to go A minus. I mean, uh, I, I think A minus. I might even give it an A were it not for the uh, voiceover in the beginning, but you know. Yeah, and, and at the end as well. Um, yeah. Although it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't I, too I, bad. I think the, the world building is just superb and the visuals are superb. And Visuals and, are amazing. Yeah, so the characters I think are instantly you know, compelling and... And, and you think about, I, I was like ready to watch the next episode. I really liked the show. There was like zero action in it, except for, you know, like the bombing. But, you know. Right. Like true. really very little in the way of action. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mentioned, you know, Raish, uh, Selden's assistant, played by Alfred Enoch. And, and um, yeah, again, I have no prior knowledge to, to what they're going to do in the show or anything like that. But as I said, uh, there, there seemed to be a little sparkage between Raish and, uh, and Gail. So we'll see how that plays out. But the other they're, one that I meant be to ask you about soon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is the character of Demersal, who is the, yes. is she the governess to, uh, uh, to, to brother Dawn? I mean, that seems to be the governor. Or, or, or well, right. So it's not really clear what her role is at this point. Regardless, she's a fascinating character. The little bit that we see of her, so sure. because she's um, like in like a lot, you know, like she, like yeah. you're there, and like this is comes like why is she there? You know, so I mean, there's definitely something about her for sure. Right. So uh, we will see. Uh, and, and played by Laura Byrne, by the way, who. You know, a lot of these actors, we don't really necessarily know them, not that they haven't been in stuff, but just stuff that hasn't crossed our radar other than, say, um, you know, Jared Harris and and Lee Pace, as we said earlier. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and leave it there. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Foundation. Anything else going on in your genre TV world? Check in with us at the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode two of the Apple TV Plus series Foundation. But until then. You know, Dave, sometimes this is like this weird thing. I, I can't explain it, but I'll just like say just keep repeating. 
Amazon Optimist Minister, Amazon Optimist Minister, Amazon Optimist Minister, Amazon Optimist Minister. And people say, Wayne, what the heck are you doing, man? I'll just say, I don't know. When I'm nervous, I count primes. <laughs>